0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 58. Hey folks, welcome to another edition of My Car Guru. This has been a pretty good morning so far. I am excited uh, about getting my Bronco that I bought yesterday. I've got to pay the guy. Well, I'm actually going to pick it up before I pay him for it. What a sucker. No, not really. He's, He's safe. He knows where I work. And so, but I sent the uh, rollback driver uh, to the warehouse where the vehicle is stored. And I said, bring me my Bronco. Well, he goes there to pick it up. It has no steering shaft, nor does it have a steering wheel. But, you know, you can have a steering wheel and it's connected to the steering shaft, which is connected to the steering mechanisms underneath the car. Well, this has none. So they're going to have to drag it around a little bit. Well, um, I'm excited about it, though. I did find out a little bit more about the vehicle. You know, when you're looking at old cars, well, really new cars as well, if you want to know a little bit about them, you, you learn that from the VIN number and then some of the codes that are on the on the plate on the door. Well, they used to be plates. Now they're just stickers. And that'll tell you a lot. One of the things I always liked about General Motors, uh, well, I was a Chevrolet dealer for a lot of years, an Oldsmobile dealer. and What else? No, that's all as far as GM. Well, I take that back. I was a geo dealer. You remember geo? Yeah, that was uh, Chevrolet's attempt to create its own import brand. And we sold vehicles that were made by, let's see, Suzuki, Toyota, and Isuzu. But they were branded the Metro, the Geo Metro, the Geo, let's see, Spectrum, and the Geo Prism. And they didn't sell really well. They did, I guess, you know, for certain folks. But anyway, they ended up saying, well, this isn't working. So they changed all the names. But anyway, so that's my history with General Motors. But what I liked about GM was the fact that they put the option codes on a sticker inside the glove box. Now, I don't really know if they still do that. I haven't looked inside the glove box of a GM car in a long time. So maybe somebody can let me know. Or I can just go out on my used car lot, find a GM car, and open a glove box. But before, they used to put the the VIN number, and then you had all of the options, or the option codes were on a little sticker. So if you need to order parts for your vehicle, and they and the dealership said, well, what kind of rear end you got in your vehicle? And they could go in there and look and see if it had positive traction or what the axle ratio. I mean, it's a really good thing. Ford doesn't do that, and I don't think many other brands do. GM may have stopped it, but that's pretty cool. Hey, if you buy a new car and it comes in from the factory, which you would have to, comes to the dealership, they would typically uh, send a build sheet with that. It, it's stuffed in the glove box, and most of the times the dealers uh, pull those out and stick them in the folder. If you plan, if it's like a, a fairly valuable car, like something that, that you want to be a collector car at some point, you know, maybe it's the new 400Z. Or the new Z car that, that Nissan's coming out with. Or a Toyota Supra. Something like that. Well, you know, it could be an Escalade or whatever. But keep those build sheets. Keep all the papers together. Don't let them just pitch them. Like, if you've ordered a car, um, tell them to retain everything. I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily have to keep the plastic on the seats and stuff. Although, if you are buying a car to for collector region, reasons, then... You know, you might want to consider having them leave all the plastic on the seats and stuff, and you take them off. And then you can fold all those up, put them in a bag. And if you ever sell the car, somebody say, here's the original plastic on the seats. Does that matter? Yes. It does matter, as my granddaughter used to say. It does. It matters. So keep that stuff. But I I was learning about this Bronco, and I was learning about it by looking at the VIN plate, which is inside the glove box. And that VIN plate tells me uh, what the original model was. Like this says a U15. Well, interesting about uh, interesting thing about this uh, this particular Bronco is that it is it is a half cab. It looks like a half cab. It has a little little uh, cover over the driver and passenger seat, but the bed is open like a truck. I mentioned that yesterday. Well, I wanted to see if it was originally a half cab because it would say U14 if it was a half cap. Well, it's a U15, so it's not. But also found out that it has the heavy duty suspension, and, it ha- and I know what axle ratio it has on it. I know what the original color is, or was. Uh, it's red now, but at one point it was blue. Now, if I want more data on that Bronco, uh, as long as it's, I think, 1969 or newer, I can find out all of the factory options, where it was built, what dealership sold it. I know for a fact by looking at the VIN plate that it was sold out of the Charlotte, North Carolina region. So, you know, I can learn a lot on that VIN plate. But there is this guy and his wife, and his last name is Marty, M-A-R-T-I. And she used to work for the—his wife used to work for the Ford Motor Company. And when she retired, they bought— all of the Ford records for Ford vehicles uh, since 1969. And so I've got something hanging on the wall that is the entire history of my Ford Bronco, and I will definitely order one for this particular Ford Bronco as well so that I can know what the history was. And that does matter to collectors. Now, it doesn't matter to all collectors. If you have somebody that's going to do like a restoration that it isn't going to even be close to original, it doesn't matter. They don't care. Uh, the only people that care are the historians, you know, the people who want to put back original. But it's good to be able to have that information and learn things. Uh, the modern VINs are 17 digits long, and they tell a story as well. Now, if if you are getting ready to order parts, for example, for or accessories for your vehicle don't just walk into dealership and say, hey, I need to order uh, some running boards for my Silverado truck because the first thing they're going to do is ask you for the VIN number. So jot down the 17-digit VIN, you know, if you, Toyota, no matter what, because they all go based on the VIN number, and that could apply to, to parts that you're ordering for your vehicle for repair. Um, I went into the uh, parts department. I had, I'm doing this project. I'm building a, uh, this car hauler. I've talked about it until I'm blue in the face on this radio show. But it's 1949 body and a 2010 F450 chassis that I stretched seven feet, and I'll be able to haul cars on the bed of it. So I needed to order some brakes for that vehicle. Now, it was an E450. It was at a rescue squad. or No, it was a fire department vehicle. Van body on the front, big toolbox on the back. And it had dual rear wheels, and so the first thing my parts department said, "What's the VIN number?" You know, and I, I knew it was coming. I said, "I can't find the VIN. Why not? Well, because we we took the body off of it. It's stamped on the frame. Well, it's not because we. It, somehow it got ground off or it was painted over, and we can't find it." They said, "Okay." So they don't really talk like that, but they were. Um, able to piece it together. We had the old brakes, and they were able to look and match up the pictures, and so we were able to put new rear brakes on it. But it is so much easier if you have the VIN. Uh, If you want to call the dealership and ask any question about your vehicle, you know, in terms of recalls or uh, special bulletins, I'll give you an example of what a special bulletin is right after this break. Okay, I am back special bulletins. Those are bulletins for people who are special. No, not really. What they are are unannounced issues that vehicles have. I'll give you two examples. So Abby, my daughter, has a 2021 Ford Bronco. She wanted to order a black on black, yuck, and wanted it to be a two-door, yuck, yuck, I mean, I, not that I have anything against two doors. It's just not smart when you have two little kids you got to get in and out of, them. but she didn't care. And then uh, she wanted a hard top and, and she wanted a manual transmission. Well, to get a manual transmission, you had to get the four cylinder engine. I said, Abby, you sure you want a four cylinder engine in this thing? Well, it's turned out to be great. I mean, I love the four cylinder engine and I love the manual transmission. However, when I was driving it several months ago, I heard this grinding noise. Whenever I was coasting and uh, in between gear changes, I I pushing the clutch and I'd hear this. It just sounded like two gears grinding against each other. I said, "Abby, how long has your car been making that grinding noise?" Well, ever since I had it. Um, Well, we should probably get it fixed. So I call Philip, who is my uh, well assistant service manager slash uh, dispatcher. So he he tells the mechanics what to do. I said, Philip have you heard anything about any kind of grinding noise on uh, Broncos? He said, on manual transmission Broncos, he said, well, let me look it up. So he looked it up, and there's no special bulletins there. So what do you have to do then? Well, you have to tear something apart. You have to tear it apart and find out what's going on. But he kept putting her off and putting her off because we work here. You know, they'll take care of customers, but if you work here, you can't get any service. Good thing you're a customer, or if you're not a customer, you need to be one because we really take care of our customers. But anyway, she uh, finally Philip called me. Hey Lenny, guess what? I said what? I just saw a technical service bulletin on the Bronco. Well, what's it say? It says this got bad synchronizers. Ford has recognized that there's an issue. Now you might be saying, "Well, Lenny, why is that not a recall?" Well, because it's not a safety issue. Uh, the only thing there's a recall is if that's mandated by the government, is if it's a safety-related thing. You may say, well, why are windshield wipers, you know, if they have a problem, why are they on a recall? Because it's a safety-related thing. I mean, if you if you don't have windshield wipers, then you can't see in the rain and you might run into somebody. So that's that's the difference there. Okay, so that's an example of what a bulletin would be. Now, how would you know that? Well, you'd take it into the dealership. If it had been your Bronco, you would pull it into the service part and say, hey, my Bronco's making a grinding noise. And we would drive the vehicle and hear the grinding noise like they did with Abby's vehicle, and then um, we would have to set up an appointment to to get it taken care of. Or First thing we would do, though, is look up and see if there's any technical service bulletins. So TSB, remember that. So you go into a dealership and your vehicle is doing something odd, and the service advisor looks at you real funny, and and he said, well, we haven't heard of that. Here's what you do. You say, well, could you check and see if you have any TSBs on that? And he's going to look at you and said, how do you know that? How do you know what a TSB is? Well, I listened to my car guru, and Lenny Lawson said that. Oh, yeah, I've heard of him. So that's, uh, that's an insider tip, TSB. Don't forget that. My other example was my F-150 Power Boost. My 2021 model, it was doing fine. I mean, it was I was just loving the truck, and then all of a sudden, though, I start going on trips and it starts vibrating. I mentioned this on several shows ago, and it was uh, between it was when it shifted into ninth and tenth gear. Can you believe that ten speeds on an automatic transmission? When I first got into the business, my first well before I got into the business, my one of my first cars was a, a 1973 Chevrolet Nova SS automatic with a power glide that had a two-speed automatic transmission. Most cars had three speeds back then, and eventually, you know, they went with four, and then they came out with lockup torque converters and then five speeds and six and so forth. Well, now they're up to ten. So that's just, you know, more issues if you're not careful. But I had an issue. I mean, my, my ninth and tenth speed was caught. Whenever it went into ninth or tenth, I was getting a vibration. Well, I checked with Philip, and same thing. I don't really know anything. Um, let's let one of the mechanics drive it. They drove it. Yeah, it's vibrating. We'll have to you know, go and do some research. Well, they ended up finding a TSB, and it was a software update. And I said, hallelujah. So uh, they updated my software. He had to sit there on a, a laptop computer for about six hours for that uh, to get totally reprogrammed. You'd think with the computer age, we could do it faster than that. But apparently there's a lot of data, and it had to come across. A, they must have had to put it on a mule train and go through, through uh, the, uh, what is that gap between Tennessee and the Cumberland Gap? A mule train on the Cumberland Gap brought Lenny his new software update. But, you know, after they did that, it was fixed. So, you know, it, this is just tell you you have to be a participant. You know, my wife has always said that when she was taking the kids to the doctor, and of course I was there some, not all the time because I was working at the dealership, but she was the the uh she was a school teacher, but she also could get off and she would take the kids to the doctor. And so many times she had to do her research and she would make suggestions and the doctor would say, "Oh, I didn't think about that." You know, so you have to be your own advocate sometimes. I remember having my my grandmother in the nursing home and, and certain things would happen and you would see it and you would question the behaviors of people and you know what I worry about are the people that are in there that has no have they basically don't have anybody to advocate for them, you know when things aren't going well. And that's kind of what I am for you as an advocate if you have issues. I've actually called dealers for listeners you know, when they're having problems and, you know, to try to get to the bottom of it for them. And most of the time, the people are very receptive in, in this area, especially if they know who I am. Now, if I, if they don't know who I am, then then I typically will tell them, well, I'm a Ford dealer and a Nissan dealer in Greenville, Tennessee, and also have this radio program, and I help people with their car issues. Well, that's nice of you. And so they end up, um, you know, being cooperative. But you you have to know your stuff and be prepared when you go in. Now, a lot of customers, people that own cars, they will go on and look at, at some of these forums. If they're if they start having an issue, let's say that you own a Honda Accord, and you've had your vehicle into the shop three or four times for the same problem, and they ju- it just won't go away. And so, what do you do? Well, a lot of people go to these forums, f o r u m s, and there are uh, it's basically a Honda Accord owner forum or an F-150 Ford truck owner forum. And so basically it's a, people ask a bunch of questions and you join, you know, you put your username and password, you create a username and password, you join it, and then you start searching. You know, you just go to the search line and type in your issue. Let's say your Honda Accord is making a ticking noise when you first started up in the morning and and the Dealership says that's normal. Well, you'll go on there and you'll find a bunch of people who have the same problem and what they've done to get it fixed. And but you know, if you are not computer savvy and you don't really want to do that, go to that extent, then you can rely on moi. Me. Uh just call me 423-552-2020. Or you can email me at Lenny Lawson2020 at gmail.com and I will do the research for you. Me or my my car guru staff of one my daughter Abby helps me do my research Audrey does too she's my other daughter she uh is she's actually right across the hall from me she gets to listen to me do this radio show sometimes she'll just walk by my office and just make faces at me but that's okay i love my girls but it again if you have issues i'm i'm here to, well certain kinds of issues i can't help no marital advice i can't help you fix your plumbing you know, stuff like that. That's out of my league. I got flipped off this morning driving to work. You know, and I was really innocent. Um, I was getting ready to pull out on the four lane in front of, where was I? Walgreens. And I didn't pull out. I was looking, waiting for these car had plenty of space. I mean, cars were going by at 60 and 70 miles an hour in a 45 zone. And so I just waited, and then finally I did pull out. And I got completely into the median. And I had to stop again because traffic, traffic was coming. This lady just honked and honked, just laid on her horn and shot me a you-know-what. And I just looked at her, and I said, what What did I do? I didn't do anything. So anyway, I, I got over it. and But it made me think about the things that I might do that can cause me to you know, endanger somebody else, you know, driving a car. And I start to think about my habits. It's usually the things that are pointed out to me, you know, by other people riding in the car. And I'll get into that here in just a second. Maybe you do the same things. Yeah, I don't take to being chastised much, but, you know, coming from certain directions, especially when it's inside your car or your wife's sitting beside you, what are you doing? Did you not see that? You know, sometimes they can, your fellow drivers can, be, can keep you from getting into tr- trouble. My dad was a terrible backseat driver, even when he was in the front seat. But I think about the mistakes that I make driving. One of them is looking at text messages on my phone, you know, trying to dial anything. You really shouldn't touch your phone. I'm not meaning to lecture, but the, I'm, I, this is a confessional. Um, you know, I have been known to drive drowsy, kind of sleepy, which is foolish, especially when you have other people in the car. We don't need to be doing that. Uh, cutting corners. My wife says I cut corners. Of course, I, I do that because of my racing heritage. You know, when I'm on a curvy road, I don't like to just stay in my lane. If I see that nobody's coming up ahead, yeah, I'll, I'll take the apex. But she doesn't like it when I do that. And it's probably not the safest thing to do. I, more than likely, if there was a state trooper behind me and I'm, you know, cutting across in the other lane just because I want to have a better angle or or a better apex around the curve, that state trooper would probably not concur with that idea. I speed too much. You know, I drive too fast. But I tell you what, I know how to use a median. I know which, where I'm supposed to be when I turn, I wish most other people did. Um, I don't tailgate people that is uh, one of the things that I think leads to a t- whole lot of accidents. You know, most wounds like this are self-inflicted. I mean, people have blowouts and things. If you Better off not to watch YouTube videos of stupid things people do in cars because you will think, what planet are they on, you know, that they would think they could get by with that stuff. You know, all I can do is encourage or, I guess, commit to try to be a better driver and try to focus better. We all need to do that. We need to be careful not to drive off in the morning, you know, when we have frost on our windshield. We don't have to worry about that going into May much, but, you know, that was one of my most terrible accidents when I ran over my neighbor's dog who was sleeping on the warm asphalt, and I had ice on my windshield, and I was trying to peep through this little hole trying to drive, and all of a sudden, bump, bump. And I ended up, oh, that was awful. He was a, a Labrador retriever. Old dog, but doesn't matter. And I ran right over his midsection. He didn't last a minute. And nobody was around, so I ended up burying that dog. I couldn't get in touch with the owners. Here I am dressed up you know, to go to work, and I'm sitting there crying, sticking the shovel in the ground and just feeling awful. And it's all because I was trying to drive a car without the windshield clear. So these are not things that we sh- these are things that we should avoid doing and we know what they are but we do them anyway sometimes. But let's work harder on that. You want to? Well, thanks for listening to this edition of my car guru and I, I will talk to you tomorrow.